Welcome back to this week's episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly or sometimes uh, every two weeks Orange 24-7 Recruiting Podcast. I'm Mike Roach. I'm joined as always by Nick Harris. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. But before we start, I want to point you guys to our iTunes page. Please like, subscribe, rate, review, do all those great things for us. And the other great shows on the Hornish 24-7 uh, podcast network, including the flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and the Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Uh, by the way, so I, I did mention that sometimes this is an every two-week thing. We've kind of been doing that during the, the late fall, or I'm sorry, the late spring here because, um, you know, things kind of slowed down in recruiting with the anticipation of visits. I anticipate that uh, once June starts and visits are back on campus, we'll be back to a more normal schedule uh, where we've got a little more to talk about. So without further ado, before we get into everything, Nick, how's it going? Going pretty good. Can't complain. Uh, you know, ready for June to come. We're about less than three weeks away from visits, and uh, that's going to be an exciting time. I see you're in the new place. Um, Nick has just moved in with one of our other uh, associates at 24-7. Uh, yeah, me and Colin Kennedy from the uh, OU Insider uh, site, we uh, just got an apartment up in Louisville. So, uh, yeah, we've been moving in over the course of the last couple of weeks. That's another reason we haven't been on the podcast as often. But, uh, yeah. yeah, starting to get settled in. Um, we're about 45% moved in, you know, slow process. Yeah, as I'm looking here, is this your bedroom? It is my bedroom. It's very blank right now. Not yeah. on the walls, but it's progress. The old scene I used to see had stuff all over the walls and everything like that. Now it's just it's just blank. So uh, interested to see how that comes together, uh, you know, over the next couple of weeks. Um, let's jump right into it. Since we've been gone, Nick, you uh, you went to the state track and field meet last week. Um, yeah, what? Just kind of give us an overview of what you saw there, the guys you talked to, with kind of any recruiting intel you may have picked up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's no secret that since, you know, Sarkeesian and the new staff have come on board, they've been prioritizing guys uh, or prioritizing skill position guys that have speed. So it's no surprise that, you know, there are quite a bit of, uh, you know, kids competing in the UIL state track meet that are being recruited pretty heavily by Texas. And um, we can start with uh, Evan Stewart, um, five-star wide receiver out of Frisco Liberty. Uh, he competed in uh, four events on Friday. Uh, took home the gold in the long jump, took home the silver in the triple jump, um, and then he took home the gold in his two relays. He, he helped uh, Liberty win the overall 5A state championship. Um, you know, one of the fastest receivers that we're going to find not only in the state of Texas, but, you know, across the country. And, uh, you know, at one time, Evan was committed uh, to Texas. And, you know, we've, we've been kind of, um, you know, pretty telling about, you know, Evan Stewart and what, where his recruitment will probably go. Um you know, the fact that he's going to be a wild card. Um, and in that sense, uh, you know, Texas is not out of this race, even though, you know, he, he has already decommitted from Texas. And, you know, you don't typically see recruits go uh, commit back to the place that they were committed to at one point. But if there was any recruit to do it, I, I think we could point to Evan Stewart being a guy like that. You know, I think Texas is in the top three at the worst. Um, you know, other schools like Georgia, Florida, USC, um, LSU, they're going to be involved in this recruitment. But, you know, I think Texas is going to be in it to the end. Um, we can also look at Brendan Thompson, uh, speedster out of Spearman, Texas, up in the panhandle. He competed in the 3A meet on Thursday. He competed in the, uh, in the 100 meter, the 200 meter, and the 4 by 100 relay. He took home the uh, silver in the 100 meter with a time of uh, 10 4 0. 
And then he took home the gold in the 200 meter with a time of 21.27. Um, so he was definitely flying around the track on Thursday afternoon and um, definitely made a name for himself and, and came away with some medals. Um, you know, he's another kid um, or he is a kid that I feel really good about about Texas and, you know, where they sit with him right now. Um, Mike, you did a crystal ball piece yesterday. Uh, you know, the love it, like it, leave it. And, um, you know, you uh, lowered your confidence on the Clemson score to one. I've lowered my uh, confidence to two in the in the last few weeks. Um, you know, so I think I, I think it's really going to come down to Texas, Oklahoma State and Clemson. And I think Clemson's probably at the three right now. The only reason I haven't flipped mine is because I'm not really sure who would be in the lead at this point. Um, but after visits, I think it'll start to clear up with Brendan Thompson and we'll start to get a better idea, you know, where he's going to be leaning. But I really like where Texas sits with him right now. Um, and then kind of quick hitting the other guys, Jared Kerr, he took home the uh, state championship in the um, uh, in the four, uh, 3A long jump. Um, and uh, he's not being recruited too hard by Texas right now. I think that's going to come down to Texas A&M, uh, Oklahoma, uh, maybe some other regional schools. Uh, Chris Ross, 2022 four-star defensive tackle commit um, for Texas. He competed in the shot put on uh, Saturday morning. Um, he came home fourth and you know, he, he really liked his time in Austin. It was his first time in Austin as a commit. Uh, and uh, he did a pretty solid job uh, coming away with fourth against some pretty stiff competition. Um, trying to think of some other guys uh, that were there. I think, I think that's all. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a pretty loaded weekend and, you know, pretty, pretty fun down there in Austin. I hope to get back. Yeah. Uh, let me go back and touch on the Brennan Thompson thing. So yeah, I did do a crystal ball piece, kind of just updating picks and talking about things. And in our new system, uh, you know, we can't enter a foggy crystal ball anymore. So me going to one on a, on a current pick is about as close as you can get to going foggy on something and, and just saying, look, we're back to kind of neutral here. Um, but we have heard a lot of Texas really, really coming on. I think, you know, early in the spring, it sounded like maybe A&M was making a big push, but I think Oklahoma State's kind of always been in the picture. But, you know, as of late, a lot of the buzz has been around Texas. Would that be fair to say that that you heard a lot of that buzz while you were uh, in Austin at the track meet? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, his family really likes Texas. Uh, they really like Coach Sark and the new coaching staff. And that's really important because they liked Herman and that previous coaching staff quite a bit as well. Um, but they, they've, you know, hinted at me that they like this coaching staff just as much, if not more. So um, whenever he comes down for an unofficial visit next month, I think it's going to be, you know, Texas's opportunity to really hammer it home and, you know, hopefully try to secure a commitment out of him before the season starts. And his visit to Austin is, um, I think he's set for that big weekend on the 18th. That's going to be unofficial? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And then is he looking at coming back maybe in the fall for an official? Yeah. So he's going to be taking an official visit to Oklahoma state to open things up. Um, that'll be the first weekend. Um, and then he will take an unofficial to Texas. He'll unofficial at some point to Texas A&M as well. And then he's going to take his other uh, officials during the season. Alabama and Clemson are already locked in uh, for four officials during the season. And then uh, it looks like Texas and Texas A&M will get those other two. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I just think things are, are really trending in a great way there. And you, you know, you've been all over it from the recruit side, talking to sources in Austin. There's a lot of confidence there as well. So, um, you know, early on, if you, if you kind of remember the timeline of Britton Thompson's recruitment, um, you know, I think probably some confidence when Herman was there, um, you know, even early on when Sark was there, when we thought maybe Texas would be all in on Kate Klubnik, um, 
you know, we thought that, that things were there once they took Malik Murphy, maybe we thought things were kind of shifting away, but sounds like it's coming back, back around. So great coverage at the, uh, the state track and field meet. We're going to go into a couple of other things you did that weekend. Um, I had to be home. I had some personal stuff to deal with at home. Uh, nothing bad for, for anybody who, who worries, but, um, just some, some things we had scheduled. Um, before I get into basketball, uh, I, I did, I've been uh, tearing up the road this week, Nick, as you know, last week. Um, so spring football has been uh, a whirlwind for us, I think. And some of spring football for us is going out and meeting kids who have Texas offers and talking to them, talking to their coaches. And some of it is just checking in with guys around the area, meeting new kids that, that aren't on the radar. A lot, sometimes it's, you know, it's going out me seeing coaches I've got good relationships with regardless of if they've got the kids or not. So Nick, as you know, as I described to you last week, I had almost a week of, of nothing as I spent a couple of days just going out to see some of those coaches I knew. Um, and then the, the one day I did go see a Texas target, I just didn't get enough content from it to, to actually run something. So I was a little frustrated at the end of last week, but I've made up more than made up for it this week um, with, with my stops uh, Monday um, I went to Alito in the morning and didn't guy in the afternoon. Um, so I was able to see uh, Texas commit Brian Allen in the morning. By the way, um, I don't know if you remember Monday morning and what the weather was like. I showed up at Alito in shorts and a t-shirt because I didn't check the weather. And uh, <laughs> I froze bad. It was like 50 and windy as hell <laughs> that day. I was, I was miserable. I, uh, I don't love this in May in Texas. I don't want this kind of weather. But um, was able to see Brian Allen Jr. You know, I think things are, are really good with him. Um, talking to him, you know, he seems really content with his commitment. Uh, he doesn't have any visits scheduled outside of Texas for the summer. So uh, I think things are in good standing there. In the afternoon, I saw two of the new 2023 commits, Ryan Yates and Peyton Bowen. Um, I think both those guys are uh, safety targets for Texas. Yates, I think probably early on, Texas may have a better shot with. Um, I think that that Bowen is a guy that a couple of other schools have kind of caught his fancy early, but it, it, it is still very early in the race. So I don't think you can call it for anybody as of yet. Um, on, uh, on Tuesday, um, I, I went to Austin, was planning to see Westlake, but I think that they were, um, I think that they've been dealing with the, with the Jake Ellinger stuff, um, all week. And, um, so we ended up going to see our friends at, at uh, San Marcos, um, had a good time there. And then, um, our, me and my, fr our, our friend guy, uh, caught the Texas baseball game or at least four innings of it before it got rained out, um, that evening. And that was my first time at the dish. So, um, it was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. Um, Wednesday, I uh, I went out to uh, two Garland schools. I hit Naaman Forest to go see New Texas offer Marcus Deal, um, who I'll talk about a little later this week in, in the film room. And uh, and then I went over to Lakeview Centennial uh, to see our, our guy, Coach St. Clair, who uh, was very helpful to me during the, the Kamar Wheaton recruitment. And now he's the head coach there, having had been the running back coach and a recruiting coordinator and they've got some guys I think a, a guy to watch out for over there is Trey Wilson a defensive end at Lakeview who uh, is certainly on the radar of Texas so um, it has been a very productive week going to round it out by finishing the week up at um, at DeSoto uh, tonight Thursday as we're recording this so uh, and I, I believe I saw on Twitter you'll be joining me 
Yes, for sure. Me and Colin both will be there. All right, so it should be a should be a good a good night uh, out at Desoto. Um, Nick, let's jump into basketball. Uh, you you had a bit another big AAU tournament this weekend uh, that you rushed back from state uh, track field for. Uh, kudos to you. You've been killing the basketball recruiting. Um, you, you've got a great handle on everything. Kind of, uh, we'll break this up into two things. First, you know, anything notable come out of that seven on seven, or, or I'm sorry, the, the basketball uh, tournament you were at, um, any big recruiting news there? And then second, what is kind of the state of the program right now? Where are Where is recruiting with Chris Beard? You can just give us kind of a big overview of everything. Okay, yeah, we'll start with the, the scoop from the weekend. Um, it wasn't too much, you know, with the dead period being lifted at the end of the month, um, you know, basketball kids are also going to be able to take visits uh, during June uh, and during the summer. And um, they're going a little bit slower as far as planning it um, than, than the football uh, side of things. Um, you know, none of the 2022 kids have locked in official visits just yet. Um, but we're, we're starting to get an idea, uh, you know, of the kids that will be taking official visits. Um, I put in our hardwood nuggets, um, you know, long form piece earlier this week that, you know, I expect a five-star shooting guard Keontae George uh, to take a visit. I expect, uh, you know, um, four-star point guard Artario Morris, uh, four-star point guard um, Anthony Black, uh, four-star small forward Terrence Arsenault. You know, I expect all those guys to take the official visits to Texas at some point this summer. And, you know, overall, uh, I think they could probably get 10 to 12 kids on campus um, in, in June for official visits. And um, in 2023, uh, Texas is doing a really good job in, in jumping on these 2023 kids pretty early on. Uh, they sent out um, about six offers last week, and four of them were to the four best kids in the state of Texas uh, for 2023. And I talked to two of those guys, five-star shooting guard K.J. Lewis out of El Paso, uh, El Paso Shapin, and then a five-star small forward Ronald Holland out of Duncanville. And both of those guys plan on taking an unofficial to Texas uh, this summer. Um, they're actually going to be staying with each other in Duncanville this summer, uh, you know, getting some work in and training. So uh, they'll probably be, you know, bouncing around to a few spots and Texas is going to be one of their first visits for sure. Um, and then talking about the overall state of the program, I mean, you know, there's a lot of buzz around Texas and, you know, when we talk on the football side of things and we say, especially recently, um, you, you can say that, you know, there's recruiting momentum when there's a new coaching staff on board. And that's the same, same thing on the basketball side of things. And especially when you have a coaching staff, like the one Chris Beard has put together, um, it, there's definitely going to be a lot of momentum on the recruiting trail. There's going to be a lot of interest and intri uh, intrigue. Um, and then when the season starts, if they're able to put, you know, that product on the floor, then this 2022 class is, you know, sky's the limit. Um, they're in it for a bunch of uh, big time guys. And, you know, this is one of the best in-state crops um, in, in the 2022 class that has ever come out of Texas. So if they can, you know, jump on this 2022 class and get some solid kids, then uh, th that'll only, you know, lead to better things in 2023, which is shaping up to be, you know, an even better um in-state class so the state of the program is definitely pretty solid right now there's a lot of intrigue around Texas and you know the uh, the assistants are doing their part as well and it's not really the work of just one assistant you know I talked to um, uh, I talked to Arterio Morris and he said uh, Jarrett Howard is the one recruiting him pretty hard uh, you talk to a kid like KJ Lewis and he says Rodney Terry is the one recruiting him pretty hard uh, and if you talk to a guy like, uh, you know, Keontae George or Anthony Black, they say that Coach Eric Malagy is, uh, you know, recruiting 
uh, them pretty hard. So it's a, it's an all hands-on effort um, from, you know, this entire coaching staff and, you know, they're really looking to build on this momentum that they have early on and, you know, maybe try to get some kids locked up in the class, you know, after visit season. What is the buzz? I mean, have you talked to, I don't, I, I like, I don't know enough about the basketball recruiting scene. Obviously you've been doing a lot more AAU stuff than like school basketball stuff since Beard's been hired because I think pretty much right. School basketball has been done. High school basketball has been done since Beard's been hired. Um, coaches, anything like that? Parents, is there a buzz about like Beard, the staff, what, you know, their expectations, anything like that going around? Uh, nothing quite yet, but the expectation is that, you know, this upcoming season is going to be pretty solid. And, you know, just kind of talking to anybody, uh, you know, that's in and around the circuit, um, you know, and, you know, really hands-on on the grassroots level, they're really excited for what Texas is going to be able to put together. It's all going to come down to, you know, how these uh, new transfers come in and, you know, if, they're, if their chemistry is right and, you know, if they're able to take that product onto the floor. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's mostly just kind of on paper at this point until they can get that product on the floor. So uh, they have about nine guys on the roster right now. So obviously they're going to want to fill about, you know, four to five more spots. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm expecting Jericho Sims to at some point, you know, announce his return. Not, uh, not too confident on Greg Brown returning, but, you know, nevertheless, this, this, uh, this roster is shaping up to be pretty solid for this next season. And, you know, the expectation around, you know, the grassroots level is that, you know, Coach Beard and, you know, Texas, they're going to be able to put a pretty solid product on the floor. All right. Well, thank you for that basketball update. We're going to jump right into the mailbag here. As always, you can get your mailbag questions to us on the Horns 24-7 message board when we put the call out. Uh, starting with the Wizard of Craws, is there any potential for the staff looking for a transfer offensive lineman to help fill out depth? I will say that right now I don't believe it's an, a position that's being actively looked for. However, I think anytime the staff has an opportunity to improve the team, they will try to take it. And so I think a lot of that will depend on what is available to them in the portal. That's kind of like the biggest thing when you're looking at transfer portal help. Um, you, you've got to see what's available to you. Does it make sense? Um, and, and all those sorts of factors. So we'll see what happens kind of after the spring area where, where any more guys go into the portal, if there's somebody there, Maybe, but I don't see them aggressively uh, looking at that as an area of need. I think they feel they have the talent up front. They've just got to get them coached correctly. Yeah, I agree. I, I think most of the transfer portal, um, uh, you know, attention has been shifted towards the defensive side of the ball for Texas. Um, they're obviously looking to fill, you know, spots at linebacker and spots in the secondary. Um, and while depth is an issue on the offensive line, for sure, uh, no doubt, um, I'm cautiously optimistic for, you know, this offensive line next season. Um, you know, Jake Majors has come in and done a really good job filling that center role. You got Kirsch Setter returning and, you know, some another couple of vets up, up front and a couple of young guys up front that have really, you know, turned it around and, you know, does, done some good things. So, um, you know, I think uh, if we're looking at positions of need, offensive line is definitely up there, but it's not number one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Uh who from Rich P seven five seven? Who ends up with a higher ranked twenty twenty two recruiting class? Texas, OU, or A and M? That's a really good question. I think it's probably going to um, come down to who has you know the best fall. I think that um, Texas is on a path to have a really good recruiting class, provided they you know deliver on the field this fall. 
Um, and I think that that's how you kind of close on some of those major targets, the Brennan Thompson's, the Evan Stewart to the world that, that really boost that uh, rating up. I think you could really see some high end guys on the offensive line, um, with a good year and some shown development up front. So, um, I, I guess that's kind of my way of copping out. If I had to make it, if I had to answer just, you know, as of right now, without kind of knowing how things turned out. Um, you know, it's a case of where I think they could all come in within four or five spots of each other, but I would say A&M probably has the inside track right now coming off of that top four season and, and some of the early foundation they've laid in that class. But like I said, this, uh, this class is, is far from over. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the in-state class in 2022, we've talked about it a lot on the football field, um, you know, and how, how special it is. And it's so special that all three of these teams could very well end up in the top 10 as far as team rankings. And, you know, I think the, the eventually the school that comes out on top is whichever one has the best season um, as far as, you know, uh, exceeding expectations or, you know, meeting them. Um, not necessarily who, you know, has the best season on the field, but, you know, who has the best season in comparison to their expectations. And, uh, you know, whichever team can do that, then I think they'll probably have the better recruiting class. All right. Um, our next question from Idaho Horn. What makes for a home run official visit? Is it highly personalized or do the recruits all get a similar experience? Um, well, I, I should say that we don't know how the staff runs official visits because they've never done them before. So we'll have a better idea of kind of what those officials look like after uh, the first couple of weeks in June. But I think what makes for a home run official is different for every kid. Different kids want to see different things when they're on campus. And, um, you know, the, the previous staff, I think that they were mostly, you know, a personalized experience. Uh, whereas I thought Charlie Strong's staff, every time I saw it, looked like the exact same visit. Uh, you know, it was just kind of a carbon copy. So I personally, the, the highly personalized one probably go a little further but it just depends for each kid i mean it's they all have different things they're looking for um i'm, I'm really interested to see kind of what the official visit experience is for kids under sarkeesian staff yeah i agree and you know it's i agree on the part that you said it's it's dependent on each kid um you know every every kid is a different case and you know we've preached that quite a bit um you know some kids that i've talked to you know what are you excited about uh, when it comes to you know taking your official visit next month and some kids will say, man, I can't wait to see the facilities. I can't wait to meet the coaching staff one-on-one, -on -one, you know, have that time, you know, where it is personalized. And then there's other kids who are, uh, who are like, you know, I just want to meet the commits, you know, talk to different players, um, talk to players on the team, you know, just kind of see what the campus and environment is like. So it's, it's really up to, you know, each kid. And, you know, I think, um, you know, Texas has a pretty good staff um, uh, assimilated right now that, you know, specializes in putting these official visits together and, you know, making them special for each kid. So I think, uh, I think Texas will have, will be doing a pretty good job of that in June. Okay. From orange bass 53, uh, which state outside of Texas will make up the most commitments in the 2022 class for UT at the end of the signing period? I mean, you play in the odds, it has to be California. Um, it's just, I mean, uh, Texas for one doesn't recruit, uh, other states in numbers the way it does like in California. So I think the only other state you can make an argument with maybe would be like 
No, like I, even Louisiana, it's hard to see, you know, multiple guys from Louisiana or Arizona, but yeah, it's gotta be California with Malik Murphy already on board and um, you know, several big targets out West. I think California is the, the easy answer there. Yeah, I agree. I think as long as Steve Sarkeesian is the head coach, it'll probably be California. Um, they recruit, you know, that area pretty well. Washington is another state you could probably point to, uh, but they're going to have to, you know, actually secure some commitments out there. But having Pete Kwiatkowski on staff is going to help. Um, you know, they're recruiting Nevada. They're recruiting, you know, Louisiana, like you said. So, and also Alabama, you know, there's a couple of kids out there. But if I, again, it's, it's going to be California as long as Sarkeesian's the head coach. All right, from old man three two three five zero. Are O line prospects waiting to see how new O line, uh, how this new O line executes before making a move? Thought we would have at least one committed by now. I think guys are waiting for visits. I mean, that's obviously what has caused the most stall is the ability to take visits. And you know, I, one thing I guess that surprised me a little bit about the this visit thing and. Um, you know, it's not like this across the board, but I've seen it with more kids than I expected is I thought a lot more of them would kind of bang, 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 take those visits in the summer and make the decision. I'm seeing a lot of kids really planning on stretching those visits out throughout the year. So um, I think that they're waiting on that. Yes, there are quite a few who, who do want to see Texas be able to execute and uh, show some growth up front. But uh, yeah, I think uh, right now the, the, the stall is visits. Yeah, for sure. I agree. You know, these kids have to get out and see these campuses and uh, talk to these position coaches and head coaches. But uh, another thing that's kind of, you know, caused caused the stall is that, you know, most of the offensive line targets for Texas have, you know, pretty extended timelines at this point. You know, if we're just looking at kids that I expect that could possibly commit this summer on the offensive line. I mean, Connor Robertson and Kelvin Banks are probably the only two I could point to. You know, Devon Campbell and Cam Dewberry, they've stressed that they, you know, want to really take their time and, you know, extend it all the way into December, maybe even February. So, um, you know, it's also timelines. All right. Um, let me see here. Where was I? Okay. Uh, from Red Wings, uh, EK028, do you see Texas getting the Vanderbilt transfer safety? Uh, Donovan Kaufman. Um you know, Texas is down to the top two. It seems like it's between uh, Texas and uh, and Auburn. And, um, you know, Kaufman himself has even said that it's a coin flip for him at the moment. I probably would lean Auburn just a bit for the fact that Derek Mason is there, his former head coach at, at Vanderbilt and the guy he signed to play for. Uh, that would probably cause me to lean Auburn. But talking to our guys at Auburn and talking to some people on campus at Austin, it truly is nobody seems to know which way he's going to go at this point. So it, it kind of feels like a 50-50 race. Yeah, that's all you on Donovan Kaufman. It definitely would be a, a helpful addition to the secondary, though. From tip-off Texas, uh, what caused the pause and shift in the USC linebacker from uh, Texas to Ohio State? Um, so if you missed, missed the report, I did report on Tuesday that – uh, things had kind of stalled with Texas and uh, Palai and Ote Ote. Um, and that Ohio State was now involved, and um, it wouldn't surprise me to see him become a Buckeye. Uh, when Ohio State missed out on the Tennessee transfer linebacker, I think that they kind of kicked around the idea of getting involved with uh, Ote Ote. And once they did, um, you know, he listened. He does have a couple of former teammates uh, from high school on that team. Um, you know, Texas had this one all but wrapped up, and uh, we were expecting an announcement this week. He pushed that announcement, um, and then, you know, some of the people we have talked to have have indicated uh, less confidence as it goes along. So 
I, it's important to note that he doesn't really talk and he's shut down everything around him. So everything we have to go off is sourced. Um, but I think that, uh, I think that it's just Ohio state being Ohio state and uh, the opportunities to, to play in the playoffs and things like that, that they've shown uh, they're able to do has kind of uh, got his attention. Uh, from take it to yeah, the base. Sure. And you know, Ohio state- Oh, you want to get in on it? Okay. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we're looking at it, you know, Ohio state, they've been able to produce some, you know, pretty solid linebackers and, you know, they're able to pitch that. Uh, from take it to the banks, we see kids scheduling official visits back to back flying from one campus directly to the next. In this scenario, would you rather be the first visit or the second? That's a real, I think I could make an argument both ways, but for me, I'd probably already want if I was confident in my presentation, I'd want to be last. I'd want to be able to leave that as a lasting impression um, instead of instead of, you know, first. But I think you could also say, like, maybe the kid's exhausted from the first trip and, and is maybe not as interested in the second. So um, tough to say either way. I'd probably want the last shot, though. Yeah, I agree. Uh it's kind of dependent on each kid again, but you know, if it were me, I, I'd want the last shot as well. All right. Um, and our final question from Charles Daniels, two quick professional questions for you guys this week. And one bonus question that you probably won't answer. Um, uh, Mike in the Longhorn message board community, you are beginning to get a reputation as being ultra conservative. Some even say pessimistic with your recruiting coverage. A, are you aware of that perception? And B, do you take that angle purposely? Um, I would say (laughs) that's funny because, um, if you go to other boards, they'll tell you that I tell people that Texas is getting everybody. So, um, the perception being what it is, I think I try to deal in fact as much as possible, um, and deal with what I know. And early in my career, I probably got burned with guessing some. And, um, so I lean more on, on the facts, um, and what I'm told, uh, and so probably that comes off as a little more pessimistic or conservative. Um, I, I know I'm not aware of the perception, but it, it doesn't surprise me. Um, I take it purposely. I don't want to ever put our readers on a, uh, like a roller coaster when it comes to um, a recruitment. I'm not going to sell you on a recruitment that I don't think Texas has a great shot in just for clicks. Um, so uh, if you're asking me, do I take that purposely? Yeah, I'd probably do it that way. But, um, you know, really, it's more of, I think, in many cases, I've, I've been out in front on a lot of these things where I, you know, I can recall last year, I was the first guy who said, hey, they're going to get Jaden Alexis. I mean, I, I don't think that that's necessarily a, a conservative take um, with a lot of these out-of-state guys. Um, you know, we've we've talked, I, I think I was the first guy that, that talked about the possibility of getting Malik Murphy. So I guess the, the perception being what it is, um, I, uh, you know, recruiting is a business that information changes day in and day out, minute by minute. If you look specifically at the Ote Ote recruitment, like we've had that pegged forever and then it just changed on a dime. So I think some of the argument of me being conservative is probably me, um, you know, allowing for the fact that I know things change quickly and can change with kids. And um, so, yeah, I do take that angle a little purposely to make sure our bases are covered and that we're not backed into a corner with anything.
Um, the next question uh, for Nick. Nick, what are some of the differences between covering basketball and football recruiting? Uh, is one easier than the other? 100% football is incredibly easier. Um, it's hard to get a hold of basketball kids. Uh, I will say that's probably the biggest challenge. Um, I always make the joke it's because every kid thinks of LeBron, but it's honestly just because uh, it's, a, it's a different landscape, you know, with, with uh, football recruiting. Um, Twitter is very, very important. And, you know, you could talk to any recruiting coordinator in the, in the country and they'll tell you, you know, if you want to be a big time recruit, make a Twitter, you know, put your film in your, in your bio and, you know, make everything, you know, professional and all of that. When it comes to basketball, let's just go play on the court. And there's quite a bit of four and five star recruits that don't have Twitters. So it's just more difficult to get a hold of kids um, because of that reason. Um, I, I would say that's probably the biggest challenge, but um, I, I will say on the, on the field and or on the court, you know, watching these kids and talking to them in, in person, uh, I think basketball would be a little bit easier in that sense. Um, just because it's a little bit more less scale, um, you know, we're only dealing with, you know, every class, probably 20 to 25 offers and on the football field, we're probably dealing with, you know, 200. So, um, it, it would be easier in that sense. It just depends what, which side of the you know spectrum you're trying to talk about. Okay. And then the bonus question, Mike, we've seen some screenshots of you addressing the owner of a Facebook Longhorn fan page. Would you like to speak on the problem of people posting your work on Longhorn Facebook pages? Yeah, I absolutely would. And I don't know why you don't think I wouldn't answer this because this is something I'm (laughs) passionate about. Um, This is how I feed my family. And uh, I'll give credit to to Eric Nolin of Inside Texas, who, who said, you don't pay us for the information. You pay us for the time it takes to gather that information. Uh, You know, a couple of weeks ago, Nick and I spent an entire week in Houston. I spent away from my wife um, and we worked 12, 13 hour days. Um, it, it pisses me off when I see the information that we work hard to gather posted for free. We sell that, that, that information and that's how we feed our family. It's like any other job. Anybody who performs a service in their job, if I were to take their product and give it away for free, they would have a problem with that. I don't know why people don't understand that about our jobs. I, it's a crusade I've been on um, when it comes to, um, you know, people taking our pictures, taking our content, taking our video uh, and using it to further their own brand or their own information. Um, I did address it with a Facebook group. I was removed from the group and received several threats from people within that group Um and so, you know, at this point, I just don't have the time to, to really stick on it. But yeah, I, it's something that, that I'm passionate about. I don't think it's cool, um, you know, to take that work that we put in a lot of hard work for. I mean, I've driven probably 600 miles in the past couple of weeks, just getting that information. You know, we, I, I just, it's stealing. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to say it any other way. It's theft. Nick, I don't know if you yeah, want to weigh in. For sure, I'm going to put you in a little bit. Instagram accounts are the same way, and, and that's that's something I've been speaking about on Twitter and Instagram recently as well. And you know, it's it, it is tough. I mean, it's it's part of the it's part of the game, though. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, but you know, we're going to try to do our part to you know make people realize what the issue is, and you know, hopefully come to an understanding. But you know, if you're an Instagram account out there, you know, stealing our photos and info for some followers, just uh, just know we're coming for your head. <laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for the mailbag and that's going to do it for our show this week. Uh, as always, we appreciate you guys for listening, joining in, uh, playing along out there at home. Um, and we look forward to getting back to an every week thing back in the summer when there's uh, a lot to talk about. Um, Nick, anything to add before we get out of here? 
Yeah, I have one question for you, Mike. Uh, as we're recording on Thursday morning, we're less than 12 hours away from uh, J. Cole dropping his new album. Are you going to be listening? Um, I, I mean, I'll, I I did not know he was dropping a new album. Um, so this is the first <laughs> I am hearing about it. Uh, yeah, I'll probably give it a listen. Um, I, uh, I think you got me into that. So yeah, I'll, I'll probably give it a listen. I, mean, I expect an in-depth review on the podcast next week. Okay, well, I'll give it a try. Um, all right, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, for Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We'll see you guys next time.